0: So if you have your scripture in Psalm 120, I want to read this Psalm. Um, Please listen to and for the word of the Lord. I took my troubles to the Lord. I cried out to him, and he answered my prayer. I said, rescue me, O Lord, from liars and from all deceitful people. O deceptive tongue, what will God do to you? How will he increase your punishment? You will be pierced with sharp arrows and burned with glowing coals. How I suffer in far off Meshech. It pains me to live in this dar. I am tired of living among people who hate. Peace. I search for peace. But when I speak of peace, they want war. Word of the Lord. Paul, as he was figuring out Christ, and as Paul was trying to figure out the entire global world, cosmological, immense meaning of Jesus Christ with us. He finds a spiritual hymn that had uh, evolved in the early, early church. And, and he quotes that hymn. It's like if I would have taken, I'm writing my sermon, and, and I take the phrases from, it is, all, it is well with my soul, and put it in my sermon. Well, this is what Paul did in the letter of Colossians. In this section between verses 15, basically to 20, but I'll go to 22, is a quote from a spiritual song that was sang by the early church in those days. Listen to and for the word of the Lord as the Spirit inspired this beautiful hymn. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through Him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. So He is the first of everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything. God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth. This includes you who were once far away from God. You, are, you were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and action. But yet, he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in the physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single the word of the Lord (laughs) Can you believe what I just read it doesn't make sense because I know I live a certain life but God is seeing me in a very different way though I know I live a life of weakness and and mistakes and, and, and using my tongue too often and we know that here God sees me blameless, faultless in his presence. And instead of me becoming arrogant and haughty about that, our response should be humility and a response of wanting to become that which God sees us at. I don't know why I said that. It's not here. But I have been sharing with you a a series of teachings about the Holy Spirit. The person and work of the Holy Spirit. Last week we heard that the Spirit was a giver of dreams and visions, dreams and visions to everyone in the congregation, dreams and visions about our lives, dreams and visions about our community, dreams and visions about our family. But we know that those dreams and visions are not about ourselves and for ourselves. They are dreams and visions that belong to God for God's glory and God's working in our community, in our lives, so that we can become and be transformed. the image of christ today i want to share with you about the spirit of peace but it is this same spirit of god the third person of the trinity that moves that speaks that inspires that guides that convicts that leads that nudges and transforms this is the spirit that makes god's truth god's revelation god's promises real in your life here today that's the job of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the agent that applies salvation in your life, the agent, the Spirit of God that reminds you that you belong to God, that you are to grow spiritually, that you are to mature spiritually, not only for yourself, but for your entire community. That's the Spirit of God. It is the agent of reconciliation. It is the Spirit of God that brings us together as one family of unity. It is the Spirit that takes us from glory to glory. Not of ourselves, but of the inspiration, nudging, guiding, pushing sometimes of the Spirit in our lives. Sometimes we have crises in our lives. How many of you have experienced crises in our lives? Let me see. Uh, If just a few, lift one hand. If you had a lot, lift both hands. Uh, Yeah! There you go. Join me. And you know what? Sometimes when we get through those crises, we look back and we kind of smile. Have you had that experience? Because I look back and I says, Ah, I grew. I matured. I left behind some stuff that I needed to leave behind. So if you are facing a difficult moment in your life, give thanks to the Lord. For God is shaping you. God is molding you. Oh, he's crunching you. Like a coffee bean first espresso. Fine. Because God wants to bring the best of us. And the best of us is Jesus in us. So the, the spirit of peace is the spirit that brings everything together. You see, the God sent a message. And the first message that God sent was the gospel of peace. Now, when I talk about peace, I wonder what you're thinking it means. Because peace, in our English American language, does not mean the same thing that shalom, the word for peace, That we use in scripture. Doesn't mean the same. Actually, Paul, who wrote in Greek, he used the word Alicia. Any Alice's here? You know an Alice? Tell her that she means peace. So any so so Paul, even though he used the term in Greek, he used it with a Hebrew, his culture, his origin, his religion of origin with that definition. So, peace does not mean lack of war. Peace does not mean lack of stress. Peace does not mean lack of issues. Peace does not mean lack of conflict. For God, peace is wellness. Peace is wholeness. Peace is prosperity. Actually, to the old people who were exiled in Babylon, he told them, pray for the peace and prosperity of the people, because in it you will prosper also. So peace is a very large concept that includes not only peace of mind, peace of body, peace of heart, peace of soul. It includes your entire being, and it spills over into those around you. Do you understand that idea? My cup runneth over. Because it's not to keep it, it's to share it. So peace includes, yes, resolutions, includes financial prosperity, includes our taking care of the environment. the shalom of the city, the shalom of the church, is not just lack of conflict. And this peace is only acquired through Christ as you get to know God and as you can recline and rely on God more and more. That's what peace means in Scripture. It is not lack of... But it is in spite and above that stuff. How do you think they can write, Paul can write about peace when he's in jail? And have the most amazing words about the concept and about what it means when he's in jail and not in a federal penitentiary for white collar? No, a rough one. So, so the idea of 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 peace, of shalom, of pass in scripture is not only the absence of it's not absence of war, stress, or conflict. It is not the blissful utopia of a paradise where there is no problem. It is the power that we get to face the problems and be assured and be confident. It has more. It, it does. It, it has to do more than just a feeling a state of mind, or lack of conflict. Peace is a result of your intimate livelihood with the Spirit of God and walk in your life along with God. God's message for all of us was not a gospel of salvation. That doesn't appear in Scripture. It was a gospel of peace. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings to all. For God was in Christ, this is 1 Corinthians, reconciling the world to himself, didn't we read that a few moments ago in Colossians? No longer counting people's sin against them, but he made peace, and this wonderful peace is the message of our reconciliation to others. So this peace that God has reconciled himself with us, you know what that means? God has no issue with you. God is no longer angry at you. God doesn't have any beef with you. You see how clear this hallway is? That's as clear it is for you between you and God. Now, I don't know what issues you throw in there. Because the things that stop us, the things that limit us from having that clear, through relationship with God, is ourselves. Therefore, God not only gives us that constant of peace with God, but also encourages us to live in peace. To have a life of peace. Peace with God, yes, but peace with ourselves. Oh. Peace with ourselves? yeah. You see, we have a memory. And unfortunately, uh, uh, we can't erase it or delete it. In computers, you can delete it, but this man is going to tell me it shows up somewhere else, right? (laughs) So we get memories. And some of the memories that we have are not good. I mean, I don't know how many of you live that life of utopia that all your memories are good. No. No. Some of us were abused, some of us were abandoned, some of us were ignored. Some of us have developed patterns of living in fear of the unknown. Sometimes we don't even know what we're reacting to and we get angry. And yet when we're quiet we say, why did I do that? You know what it is? Lack of peace, internal peace, and God wants every one of us to reach that internal peace. That's why he gives us the spirit of peace to live within us that will guide us to those moments that are sad. And instead of ignoring them because the tendency, you see, when, when we remember that, that moment when we were really in the darkness and, and we were just a victim, perhaps, our reaction is to want to forget them. Bottle it down. So what? But that past is active and is negative. In Christian counseling, we call it the active negative past. Those are the roadblocks that we have in our relationship with God. Not from God to us, but our own roadblocks. Resentments. Misunderstandings. Lack of love that we received, fear of rejection, fear of loneliness. But God wants us to live in peace, not only in peace with God, but with ourselves. And that's a process, it doesn't happen instantly. It's a process, and God's and God's mercy makes it a process so that we can learn. and as we die to those sins, as we die to that brokenness that is crashing our own lives and future with God, we can then help others because, "Oh, I was there. I know how that looks like. I know how it feels. But if we run away from them, we'll always be running away from them. And our only choice, when we run our way from those issues in our dark side of our heart, is to pretend. To wear masks. To put on the better wig. To wear more makeup because I don't want them to really see who I am and how I feel inside. But, my dear sister and brother, don't fear. Don't be afraid because the spirit of peace is not there to condemn you, it's not there to make you feel guilty. Is there to liberate you, to make you free. Because the scripture says, First Thessalonians 5:23, it says, May the God of peace himself notice the scripture writer had many choices. May God Almighty, may God the mighty warrior, may the God of grace. May the powerful God, but no, the writer inspired by the spirit of peace, writes, may the God of peace himself, sanctify you. You know what sanctify you means? Make you whole. No, not a whole in the world. Make you complete. Make you to what God wants you to be. So may the God of peace himself, sanctify you completely, and your whole spirit, and sold, and body. You know, I, I chose that translation because that is a better translation because the word and appears three times. Kai in the Greek. And when the Greek uses the Kai and, it's because they're different things. So it is our spirit, our soul, and our body. What for? Be kept blameless. at the coming of our Lord, the God of peace. So this peace that the Spirit of Peace wants to offer us, this peace that the Spirit of Peace is offering you this morning is a peace that allows you to live in peace, not only with God, but with yourself and with others. And this is where it gets nitty-gritty here. Becoming a peacemaker. We, God did not give us that amazing peace just for us to keep it and, and put it in, a, in, in our oven and lock it up in there or in our cupboards and lock it up in there. And say, I got peace like a river, but it ain't going to flow you. It is to share. It is to be a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall see Ah, that's what it says. So to become a peacemaker, an agent of reconciliation, you see, because we are called not to divide and bring more division in our world, we are come to bring things together. Christ died for the black, Hispanic, Asian, whatever, Russian. Anglo, can live together in one body, together. Not bringing out things that divide us, but bringing out things that unite us in spite and celebrating our diversity. We are called and recipients of an amazing treasure. And yes, this treasure is in earth and vessels, but the glory is for God. And this treasure is a life of victory. It's a life of, of inspiration guided by God, not a life of pretentiousness. We are sent community. We are sent. God has sent us, not called us to come and sit here every Sunday for an hour. God has called us to come, equip ourselves, get revitalized, and go out there and change that world. Go make a difference. We are a sent community to spread God's peace and reconciliation as a new lifestyle. Not about the materialistic lifestyle. We are called to be peacemakers. Before I went to Miami for my time with my wife, I went to Carl Cannington's house. And we visited there with Eleanor. Pray for her. The medication is just making her very uncomfortable. Pray for Eleanor. She wants to be here with us. And and we were sharing about the rapid changes that we have seen taking place in just two weeks, right, Carl? The world has changed too fast. And when he said, it's too fast, I didn't hear his words, I heard his heart. Too fast. And I told him, yes, and then the church is thrown in that mix. Like that, real quick. Last week, something happened in a region of the country, in the south. Something happened that for some individuals it means one thing. I'm sticking to the text. For others individuals it means something else. For decades two views have been promoted, fought for, and lies have even died for such ideals. A symbol of pride and heritage for some, yet a symbol of oppression and subservience and evil for others. But the governor of South Carolina, Nikki Haley, said the following. We came together and listened to each other's heart. There was passion. There was intense passion, she said. But we listened to each other and we heard each other. And we think when we took a difficult decision, but we thought it was the right decision. Respect was shared in both sides. Honor was given to both sides. Hearts were open in both sides. And both sides became one. Quote. You see, we don't need more division. As an outsider, when I came in, I'm gonna tell a story here that I've shared with some of you, but Carl doesn't know this. When I first came to this city, to this area of town, I'm with my GPS, and I'm looking for the address in Brenda Drive, and I drive by a house with a flag, and I said, if I will ever set foot in there. And my GPS said, you have arrived at your destination. (laughs) So what does a pastor do when he has spoken stupidity? Well, you put your foot in your mouth and you hop gracefully and you go love in the name of Jesus. That's what we do. And I left his house and I went to another house where they were griping about what he had in his lawn. Not about his lawn, but what its symbol was there. I said, oh, where am I? I don't know about this stuff. I'm from outside. But you know what? I have sat, and I've loved to understand both sides. And you know what? I've discovered a third side. I've discovered a third side. The side of Jesus. The side of unity. Where we do not have to accept what He thinks of it, but we love Him. He does not have to accept what it means, not to you, you are from out of here. (laughs) But to somebody else, but we can rise above that, like that legislature did, oh my. We can rise above that, and we can love one another, because we are peacemakers. We can come together, and like our sign says outside, we can celebrate our diversity, Oh, and quite diverse. Through unity in Christ. Do you get it? I once went to a church where there was an issue in the session. And one of the gentlemen, it was a mostly minority session. And the gentleman had never had had to relate with minority individuals. Every time Jeffrey opened his mouth, he was insulting everybody in that table. The first time I sat there to observe, I was freaking out. I said, "There's going to be a war. We're in Florida. They're not packing. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was going to be bad. But you know what happened? Everybody knows Jeffrey. Everybody understands Jeffrey, where Jeffrey comes from. Everybody knows his culture. No one wants to change Jeffrey. They love Jeffrey just as Jeffrey is. And Jeffrey said, and they're my homies. Did I say that right? He said, <laughs> he was trying to empathize with the culture. He said, did I say that right? But we saw how the Native American wisdom says, let's walk not one mile. Let's walk in eternity in each other's moccasin." May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the end of Christ when he comes. Amen.